Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with life where Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading for July 16th, 2019, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 26. Paul writes, So brothers, what is to be done? When you come together, each one of you has a psalm, or a teaching, or a revelation, or an utterance in a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done in a way that builds people up. If someone speaks in a tongue, limit it to two, or at most three, speaking at one time, and have one person interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he is to keep silent in the church, and keep his speaking between himself and God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others carefully evaluate what was said. But if a revelation comes to another person as he sits there, let the first man become silent. For you all can do your own prophesying one at a time, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are also subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. Instead, they are to be subordinate, as also the law says, if they desire to learn something, let them ask their own men at home, because it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Are you the ones from whom the word of God has gone out, or did it come to you alone? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or a spiritual person, let him recognize that the things I write to you are the Lord's commands. But if anyone disregards them, he should be disregarded. So, brothers, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But let all things be done decently and in good order. This is the word of our God. As Paul writes to correct and address the problems with their worship and correct those very problems, he's already touched on many of them, and the biggest one he's going to save for the next chapter. But he's touched on the the loveless action, chapter 13. He's talked a little bit about the disorderliness of their prophecy and their speaking in tongues, which is just you know, they've got prophecy, they've got speaking in tongues and prophecy. We talked about that last week, I think. Um, that prophecy is both, it's forth-telling and then it's speaking for God and it's um, talking about the future. All three of those things might be involved, um, but only one of them at any given time, perhaps. So they, they've got these prophets who are speaking at, at different times and it's just disorderly and it's it's a mess. They've got their Holy Communion practice where some are getting drunk and others are going away hungry. And all of this where they've piled on top of the, the lack of discipline that they've exercised in their church so that they are celebrating fellowship with somebody who has been living in persistent, unrepentant sin. So all that in the background, Paul comes around to his main point. And the main point is something that he repeats two or three times here at the conclusion of chapter 14. That God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And that that truth, that idea, kind of comes through in a lump, number of different ways. And you could see how that truth would apply in, in a lot of the topics that he has already discussed. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And so he has instituted um, marriage for the benefit of people. And that, that kind of covers the end of chapter 6 and the beginning of chapter 7. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And so Christians shouldn't be sowing disorder among themselves by taking each other to court for lawsuits. That's the beginning of chapter 6. 
God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And you've got you know the Holy Communion practice. You've got um, you know chapters eight, nine, and ten, where Paul talked about eating food sacrificed to idols and the proper exercise of Christian freedom, where it is to be orderly for the benefit of the other and for the glory of God. Not something where a Christian would sit back and say, well, I have the right to to join in this worship at the temple or to eat this food, even if it causes my brother or sister to stumble in the faith. Um, God is not a God of disorder. God is very orderly. And Paul kind of comes around to that topic again, that same idea here, when he says that, you know, especially in um, the verses that we had just read, that God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Sounds like I'm repeating myself today, doesn't it? And, and rightfully so. The spirits of the prophets, verse 32, are also subject to the prophets for the reason God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And how that plays out in their, in their church life, um, he concludes this chapter with two major applications. First of all, in the when the speaking in tongues happens, or when sharing a revelation directly from God happens, um, it's done in an orderly fashion. There's no shouting, there's no talking over one another. There's one speaking and then being quiet, maybe two, maybe even three, if you have different groups, um, or something that is added to what has been said. But that's it. <laughs> you know, God wants things to be orderly. And that's exactly what he does here. So he says, oh, by the way, the, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the, the prophets' control. One can't say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit just said this, and I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I just had to keep going, and I had to say this. That's not the case. Because God is not a God of disorder. Sounds, sounds like the refrain today, and it really is, that God is an orderly God. And so he wants to build up his church in an orderly way, and he wants to um, grow his people in, in peace with him and with each other. And so the application that he brings in here at the end of the chapter is another application of that same idea. Let all things be done decently and in good order. Why? Because God is an orderly God. And he talks about the relationship between men and women again in the church. Um, previously, you know, like back, to, back in chapter, I don't know, 11 or so, might have been chapter 9 or 10, I forget offhand, he talked about head coverings and how one presents oneself in the church that a, a man presents himself as a man, and he's readily identifiable as a man. And a woman presents herself as a woman, and they, they adhere to um, cultural norms for men and women, even though those things are not commanded by God or forbidden by God. They are adiaphoran, which means that they are, you know, neither commanded nor forbidden by God. And so they, in the church... They were orderly by presenting themselves as men and as women. And it's the same thing here, where Paul says, please continue to keep in mind, not only do you present yourself as a man or woman, whichever God created you to be, but also that you are in relationship with one another, the way God created you to be. And he touches on this previously in chapter 7 where he really laid out that it wasn't um, it wasn't God putting somebody under somebody else's thumb, that it's not a, a competition, that there's no room for, for spite either way. Because God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. 
God has called us to live at peace. And so in his orderliness, God has designed men to be men and women to be women. And especially in the church, he has given specific responsibilities to each of them. And that's what he talks about here. That in the church, um, God has given the responsibility of headship and leadership to the men. And the responsibility of support to the women. And that's what we have here. That God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. And the application that he makes is um, in verses 34 and 35. As in all the churches of the saints, the women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. Instead, they are to be subordinate, as also the law says. And it would be very easy, very easy, to just go all off on red herrings and saying, oh, you know, God doesn't want me to talk in church. Keep in mind the context here, where we've got prophets speaking left and right, either speaking in tongues or providing an interpretation. But when we talk about the Word of God, the public reading of Scripture, the public explanation of Scripture, is always an authoritative act. And so in church, God, who is a God of order and a God of peace, desires peace by having everybody relate to each other in the way that he designed. That he wants men to speak up and to be the leaders, and everybody obviously to join in the worship and join in the prayers and all of that, but not to not to be arguing with one another or saying, now it's my turn. And um, that applies obviously to both both men and women. <laughs> I don't expect anybody to, to come up to the pulpit on Sunday morning and say, okay, Pastor Higgins, step over, step aside, now it's my turn. No, because God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. And so Paul says, you know, this is what we practice in, in every place. And when Paul says so, he's really, he's really saying this is also for the blessing and for the benefit of the church. And that our orderly God has designed you and created you uniquely to be a man or to be a woman. And there are certain responsibilities that come with that. And part of that is, um, is acting toward one another in worship and in church the way that God has designed and the way that God has promised to bless that because this God of peace and this God of order wants to um, wants to create order within his church. He doesn't want people arguing or, or speaking over one another, but God gets to be the star of the show. <laughs> That's really, I guess, maybe the main point, that that God is there, and God wants to do the be the one to be building people up, and God wants the one to be honored by an orderly worship service and by peace among his people. And so the application that Paul gives, he's like, oh, by the way, you know, God's word didn't start with you. That this application really applies to all people of all time because it's characteristic of the of the uniqueness of man and woman as God created them and understood properly. You know, chapter 14 follows exactly right after chapter 13. Imagine that. Go back and read chapter 13 if you need to. That the the attitude of man and woman in all of this is one of the same Christian love that we saw in, back in, you know, chapter 8 and 9 and 10. That we freely, gladly do this in respect for one another and to the glory of God, where my own personal preferences might be set aside in favor of the other, 
and where we look to what God has has given us to do and say, well, my Lord has promised to bless me in this way, and even if it's um, even if it personally irritates me a little bit, at the same time, the God who's a God not of disorder but of peace has promised to build peace in this way. You can find us Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. at 2250 South Hollandsylvania Road at Maumee. Also Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. And if you haven't yet, give us a follow on Instagram at Raise with Jesus. God bless your day.